This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, October 4th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. How has the current whistleblower conducted him or herself in the wake of claims about the president? How important is it that Americans learn the whistleblower's identity? Irvin McCullough is a national security analyst for the Government Accountability Project. He specializes in intelligence community and military whistleblowing. Following a Cato event on whistleblowers held earlier this week, we talked about how whistleblowing works and why protections for whistleblowers are so important. The Government Accountability Project is a nonprofit, nonpartisan law firm that represents whistleblowers across the federal government and the private sector. We've been around for about 40 years and handle cases ranging from intelligence community and military malfeasance to problems inside the food industry. So with respect to uh, this current whistleblower, the the person who has uh, claimed some uh, poor behavior. Some of that has been corroborated, at least some of the claims have been corroborated. Whether or not everyone agrees that it's uh, uh, wrongdoing uh, remains to be seen. But uh, to the extent that that person um, did things appropriately, how do you? How would you grade uh, him or her? Well, I'd definitely give him an A+, plus, actually, if not two pluses. He is the poster child for following the process. Uh, I understand that a Time story broke today saying that at one point he filed with the CIA's internal dissent channel. And then after that, he went and talked with a member, a staff member of the House Intelligence Committee requesting guidance on how to best report wrongdoing inside the intelligence community. It's a very convoluted and confusing process. And at that point, he sought counsel and made a disclosure to the intelligence community inspector general, whose job it is, is to investigate and correct the wrongdoing inside of the intelligence community. So uh, when whistleblowers come forward, or in this case, you know, sort of come forward, advance claims, and we're not aware of this person's identity just yet, um, what are the things that, what are the stresses that they need to, to consider? Well, it's a family decision. That's what I usually like to say whenever I'm interviewing with a client, a potential client or a potential whistleblower. Essentially, this will affect the whistleblower's entire life. It will not just be limited to an impact on their career. It will impact their personal life. The decision to blow the whistle is a very courageous one, but it definitely has some setbacks. Essentially, their life will become almost dominated by the whistleblowing. Uh, sometimes they will see themselves as a hero or as a someone trying to right some outrageous wrong that they see, and they can become certainly obsessed with that. But what I usually like to, to tell whistleblowers is to consult with your family, make sure that you can live if you're fired, and be sure that you continue putting food on the table. But uh, if, uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's actually it. So uh, with, with, with respect to that being a family decision, uh, you might expect at some at some point uh, that there be a, uh, you know, bad information to come out about those people. Oh, absolutely. If the whistleblower is making such a public claim like the one in the news is, then people will want that whistleblower's identity. People will try to figure out who this whistleblower is and they will try to do whatever they can to attack this whistleblower's identity if they believe that it will also attack the facts that the whistleblower is disclosing. But from my experience, what really matters is the facts. Regardless of any type of whistleblower's motivation, 
All that matters is that they present a clear factual record to a government investigator who can substantiate or non-substantiate their concerns. In this case, a whistleblower wrote a nine-page memo for the Inspector General of the Intelligence Community to review before transmitting it to the Congressional Intelligence Committees. The Inspector General of the Intelligence Committee uh, Community conducted a preliminary review of that memo. That means the ICIG interviewed witnesses, reviewed documents, and eventually concluded that this disclosure was credible. That means the facts are there. Some of which have been corroborated by the White House. Absolutely, they have. And I expect that as Congress launches its impeachment inquiry and the House of Representatives continues to investigate the underlying facts of this whistleblower's disclosure, more documents and more witnesses will become available to the committees. And that means that more information will become available to the American public. So that way we can know with our own eyes, with our own ears, we can see what kind of information is out there that can either corroborate or act against a whistleblower's case. But essentially, it's all about the facts. How important is it uh, for, I mean, the one, the president has demanded a meeting with this whistleblower, uh, among other things. How important is it that we learn the identities, uh, we, the public, learn the identities of these people, especially when it is uh, a whistle, a claim made by a whistleblower uh, at the highest levels of government, particularly elected government? Yeah, I actually don't think it's important at all. And that might be a startling point, but... It's not important because intelligence community whistleblowers are promised anonymity. While I would certainly love to know the identity of this whistleblower, as I'm sure most of the listeners would as well, what really matters is the downside that revealing an outing an intelligence community whistleblower could have, not just for that employee, but for the entire community. Essentially, if one whistleblower is guaranteed anonymity, and that's what the system currently provides, and we strip that away from this one whistleblower because their disclosures were too political or about someone too powerful, then we create a chilling effect for all intelligence community employees who are thinking about becoming whistleblowers. We don't want intelligence community employees, potential whistleblowers, to ask themselves, hey, is my disclosure too political? Hey, am I targeting someone too big? All we want are people inside the intelligence community going to their independent watchdogs with facts. That's all we really want. And to do otherwise, to strip away anonymity, would certainly chill all types of accountability and oversight inside the intelligence community. The inspector general of the intelligence community, for example, could probably not do their job if they didn't have access to sources, eyes and ears on the ground inside the community. We need to note, of course, uh, as you mentioned during the event at the Cato Institute today, that your father is representing this whistleblower, is... One, uh, to what extent have you had discussions with him about this? And two, uh, is this a family enterprise that is to say doing this kind of work? Well, intelligence oversight certainly is a family enterprise, but unfortunately, I haven't had any conversations with my father about this whistleblower. Uh, we have built certainly a firewall, as I indicated at the event, specifically because my father and I are both consummate professionals. Uh, he respects attorney-client privilege just as I respect attorney-client privilege. By representing this whistleblower, he essentially walked right into my policy wheelhouse and we needed to maintain attorney-client privilege with all of our clients and that this case is no different. Is there a typical resolution for a case that uh, your group represents? You know, there usually is. Uh, it really depends on the type of case. If we are helping whistleblowers take their disclosures to the media, to the Congress, 
to a government agency, government watchdog that can actually investigate their disclosure and provide some type of corrective action, then the resolution is having the disclosure out there and securing an investigation into the contents of the disclosure. So that way, the government can correct itself and whatever problem the whistleblower identified is no longer a problem. If it's a retaliation case, and that means a whistleblower has made a disclosure already and has been retaliated against for making that disclosure. So that means they've they've been fired, they've been demoted, they've given they've been given a poor performance review, whatever the case may be. We want to correct that uh, adverse personnel action. So we'll work with Congress, the media, and government agencies in non-intelligence community cases uh, to ensure that the whistleblower's complaint is heard by officials in charge who can investigate their retaliation complaint and that they'll eventually see some type of justice. And whether that looks like being rehired, it can look like a monetary settlement from the agency, anything like that that could constitute a personnel action, that's what we'd like to see. We'd like a make whole remedy for the whistleblower. How does reporting uh, wrongdoing within the government differ among the types of agencies that exist in the federal government. You mentioned the intelligence community, uh, the military, I think, has a different uh, process. But is there, is there generally a, a clear line you can draw between, say, the Department of Agriculture and the CIA? There absolutely is, especially between the Department of Agriculture and the CIA. The difference between intelligence community with subliminal protections and the rest of the federal government, with the slight exception of the military, is night and day. Essentially, the intelligence community is in the night and the rest of the government's in the day because in the entirety of the federal government, non-intelligence community, if a whistleblower wants to make a disclosure, they can make it essentially anywhere. They can make it to the media, to the Congress, to their boss, through their chain of command, or to their own agency's inspector general. However, in the intelligence community context, intelligence community employees and contractors can only make protected disclosures of wrongdoing to the intelligence community inspector general or their agency's inspector general. And as we saw in this case that's in the headlines, even if they make that disclosure through the proper channels and through the proper process, the director of national intelligence can still say, hey, no, I'm not going to send this disclosure to the congressional intelligence committees. And now he has the right to do that because of a DOJ Office of Legal Counsel opinion. What do you make of the uh, revelations last year that the CIA was actually monitoring uh, discussions with uh, their own inspector general and with members of Congress? I think that should never happen. I think that there should certainly be a firewall between the CIA's security element and the inspectors general under its care. Uh, essentially, this is exactly why we need an independent security officer inside the intelligence community inspector general who can provide this type this type of security without the CIA, without us worrying that the CIA is listening to whistleblower conversations that inspectors general are having with Congress. Uh, that's probably the best solution to that problem. Irvin McCullough is with the Government Accountability Project. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.